Hello and welcome to the podcast of First Church. I'm glad you could join us. This message is from our Purpose Youth Revival Weekend. We had such a great time with the Kellys, and this message is from Brother Kelly. was titled, Our Daily Bread, and it was preached on August 27th on our Sunday morning service, and uh, it was just such a tremendous word, and so we pray it's a blessing to your day today. Matthew chapter 6, um, very familiar passage of scripture to us. Jesus looking to his disciples. Um, this comes out of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And two, two chapters, six, uh, five, six, and, and seven, I believe, um, make up this Sermon on the Mount. You, we get another version of this that I, I might talk about a little bit later on um, but Matthew gives us the most detailed account of, of this specific prayer and he says Jesus talking to everyone after this manner therefore praying our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen and stopping right there there's there's a specific passage out of this prayer that i want to talk about but i'm going to get to it in in just a minute I'll, I'll, I'll say some, some stuff before we get there. But before you're seated, why don't you put your Bibles down and just take a minute and one more time, just lift them up. Don't worry about the person beside you. Let's pray for God to have his way in this service. God, we've got high expectations. High expectations that we know that not only can you fulfill, but you can exceed. We come expecting great things, Lord, and we know that you're going to do it. We pray that you would have your way in this service, Lord, and that you would anoint me. Pray that you would anoint your message, anoint your words. I'm just a vessel for your anointing. I pray that you would use me, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I want to do a great job. I don't want to be a hindrance to what you want to do in this place. So I pray that you would help me this morning, in Jesus' name. Do something special for these special people, in Jesus' name. And God, we give you the glory and the honor for it, in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I believe that the Bible is not just a collection of stories, but it's one coherent story. It's his story. And it isn't just words on a page, but I believe truly with all my heart that this word is alive. And that's why you can read one scripture a thousand times. It'll never speak to you. It'll never mean anything to you. Never, never really does anything for you. But when you read it that 1,001st time, it reaches down deep and ministers to your soul. Uh, it'll be a scripture, a chapter, a story, and things that you can know your whole life. You've heard them your whole life, but then you go through something that you've never had to deal with before. You, you, you go through a season that you've never dealt with before, and those words in his word hits you just a little bit different 
Now, this passage that I read, we call it the Lord's Prayer. And most of you, if not all of you, have heard it your whole life. You probably have it memorized, whether you've been in church, around church, out of church. You probably are at least familiar with it. But these last few weeks and months, I've been looking at this prayer just a little bit, of, just a little bit different. Because we, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus was very adamant. He was clear. When you pray, pray after this manner. This is, this is our prayer. This is our prayer. But I feel that there is a problem with merely reciting this prayer because you've got to look at the context of, of everything that's all around it because it's in this same chapter that Jesus warns of using what he calls vain repetitions. Same chapter. Of course, he didn't divide his sermon up in the, same cha in, in, in the chapters and verses. It was the same sermon. This is our prayer, though. And we, in teaching us to pray, Jesus tells us that when we pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the synagogues and in the street corners praying so that they can be seen of men. I, I personally, not everybody's like this, not everybody has a problem with it, but I personally get really uncomfortable when people have to go out of their way to tell you how spiritual they are. I, I get very uncomfortable when, when people start bragging about what they've done. I don't know about you, but I, I'm useless. I, you, you're sick today. I can't do a thing for you. But then the Holy Ghost in me, God working through me. Oh, he can do, I can't do anything for you, but God, my word, he can step in and do something miraculous in your life. I, I, I think back, I think it was, um, I want to say it was to, to Brother T.F. Tenney that, that Brother T.W. Barnes told him. Don't, he said, don't you tell them what T.W. Barnes did. You tell them what God did through me. I, I, I believe, it's, it's, it's not me, it's not us. I, I get really uncomfortable when we start talking about these things that we did. I didn't do nothing. If, you, if I pray for you and you get healed, I didn't do a thing. It's just God. It's just, it's just matter of fact, you know, he, he didn't even take credit for this stuff. I mean, Jesus, he's walking through and he's healing people left and right. He's telling them, by your faith, you were healed. He didn't even say that he did it. And he's God. He, he, it's, it's, it's your, I can't do anything for you. Why am I going to brag about it? Jesus said they have their reward. And, and here's the thing. He didn't mean, oh, they're, eventually they're going to get what's coming to them. They're, they're, they've got a reward. I've got a, I've got a little thing saved up for them and they'll get that. That's not what he's talking about. The reward that they're going to get, they already have. He said they have it. Their prayers may go unanswered but they already have their reward. They were seen of men, and that is their reward. Jesus says, when you pray, I want you to enter into your closet in secret and, and pray to the Father who sees in secret. And the Father, your, your heavenly Father who sees in secret will reward you, not in secret, he'll reward you openly. But before he gets to this prayer that, that yes, we all know, he has one final warning. He says in, in verse 7, when you pray, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Don't be like them, he says in the next verse. The English Standard Version says, do not heap up empty phrases. Another translation calls it meaningless repetition. We, do you ever say something so much that we, we don't even think about it? 
just, it loses all meaning. We, we can say something so much that we don't have to think about what we're saying. It just rolls off the tongue. You ever find yourself thoughtlessly praying out loud while your mind's wandering on, anything, on, on, on other stuff? Be praying and Jesus, Jesus, you're worthy in my mind. I'm going, what is that on my tie? Jesus, I love you so much. You're worthy, God. And it's just these little phrases that we don't even have to think about. We, we just, it just rolls off of our tongue. There's no, there's no feeling behind it. And I bet that if we were real honest, we all have little phrases that we all can lean on. Because we, you know, when we can't think of anything else to say and feel that silence, feel that void, there's, there's no feeling behind it. There's no meaning because there's no intent. It's just, it's words to us. That's the danger of memorization and recitation, reciting. And Jesus gave us a prayer, but what if he didn't want us to merely recite the words? See, I don't know about you, but I want my prayer to make a difference. I want my prayer. I'm not praying to, to, to make you impressed of me. I don't care what you think about me. If I'm praying, it's because I need something. I need a miracle. I'm not praying so that you can think, oh man, what a good guy he is. He, he must be really, no, I'm praying because I need God to do something for me. I need him to work. And so I don't know about you, but I want my prayers to work. I want my prayers to be effective. When I pray, I want to get, I want to get the attention of God. I want him to, he might be in mid-conversation with his angels and I start praying. He just, just hang on a second. I, I hear, there's my boy over there. He's talking to me. Let me see what he's saying. I want to get the attention of God when I pray. So I want to make sure that I get the most of this thing. I don't want to be guilty to, 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 uh, of praying to be seen of men because I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to need a little bit more reward than that. I need prayers answered. I need God to move. I'm not praying so that you're going to be impressed with how spiritual I am. I, I've got real problems. I've got real needs, and I really need God to help me. And so when I pray, I don't care about recognition. When I pray, it's because I want, I need my prayer to work. And so truthfully, I think that one of the greatest secrets to prayer is actually quite simple. Pray what you mean and mean what you pray. Let me tell you firstly that Jesus is not impressed with your vocabulary. We don't have to dress it up and make it sound fancy. Do you know, you realize he, he's got a pretty big vocabulary himself. Not only does he know all the words, he knows them in every language. He's not impressed with your little old vocabulary, okay? You're not going to impress him. And secondly, he is not interested in memorized catchphrases. I believe God wants us to truly connect with what we are praying and put intention behind our words. But then he does, he, he gives us this prayer and he says, when you pray, this is how I want you to do it. So how do we reconcile these two thoughts? On the one hand, don't just repeat a bunch of words that you memorize. That's what he says. On the other hand, Jesus said, here's a prayer for you to follow. So how do we rectify that? And I believe that the answer is very simple. We don't look at what Jesus is saying. We look at what he means. What is he saying when he says it? It's our father. First of all, you get a revelation of just that. I, I can pull two things just out of those two words. First thing is, he didn't say my father. It's our father. That means that every single one of us are brothers and sisters. 
Doesn't matter what race you are. Doesn't matter what religious background you are. Doesn't matter what your past is. You're my brother. You're my sister. And the one thing that we have in common, if we don't have anything else, we've got a father in heaven. And so we ought to be reaching everybody. If you're hungry, come. There's no difference between us. We got flesh. We're, we're, we're all sinners that we just hope we're going to be saved by grace, okay? There's not a difference between us. That's the first thing that we need to get. The second thing is, it's our father. I don't know about you. I've got three kids. Sometimes it feels like three too many. It's, it's a little bit of a circus every time we're all together. But I love those kids from the bottom of my heart. And when I tell them no, it's not because I want to. Sometimes it's because I have to. Sometimes it's because I know what's best for you. And I know that what you're asking is not going to do you any good. It's going to do more harm than good. But man, I hate telling my kids no. I want to tell them yes. And when you pray, our Father, you need to get that revelation. He wants to do for you more than you need it, more than you want it. God wants to answer your He wants to tell you yes. His desire matches your desire. He cares about you. He sees where you are. And our Father wants to bless his children. Our Father who, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. That, that, well, that's praise. That's what that is. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. All power, all authority is in that name. It's, this, is, this is praise that we're talking about. And then he says, thy kingdom come. My word, that in itself, thy kingdom come as it, uh, here on earth as it is in heaven. You, you get a revelation of God's kingdom. You realize that in his kingdom there is no sickness? If we start praying for God's kingdom to come, you just might get your healing. Because in his kingdom there's no sickness. You pray his kingdom, yeah, it might be temporary. I, you know, Jesus healed Lazarus. Guess what? Lazarus is dead. There, there isn't some guy walking around that's over 2,000 years old here. On Lazarus, he, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but he died again. All those people that, that, that Jesus healed of their sickness and their infirmity, well, I, they probably got sick again. Maybe not from the same thing, but I mean, eventually they died. It's temporary, but we can get a little bit of taste of heaven on earth, and you just might get what you need. See, in, in heaven, there is no sorrow. There's only joy. You can get a taste of heaven when you start praying his kingdom down. And whatever, whatever sorrow that you've been carrying around like a heavy weight on you, God says, I'm going to trade your sorrow for my joy. You, you, you might be struggling with a little bit of anxiety and depression and everything else, but in his kingdom, there, there's none of that. There's no hurt. There's no pain. There's no death. There's none of that. There, you're not having to deal with loss. Man, there, 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 there is no loss up there. Pray his kingdom down. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not, not my will. His will. Not my will. That also means, um, how many times do we think we know exactly what the will of God is? I mean, that, the whole Bible is based around that very thing. He's going to do what he said he's going to do, but it probably ain't going to come the way you think it's going to. I mean, we're, we're de he's dealing with Pharisees and Sadducees and all these, all these other C's. Dead seas and red seas and whatever. Um, so he's, he's, he's dealing with all these guys. And, and, and the thing with them, every, every one of them believed in the coming Messiah. 
But because it didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen, they, they, they missed out. God promised you something. Don't get disappointed because it's not working out the way you think it's going to work out. Let me tell you something. My, my wife and I have been taking a, a humongous step of faith. You, you, you realize right now, I mean, full-time evangelism is just about a thing in the past. There's going to be church museums where there's just going to be pictures of full-time evangelists. And, wow, remember the day when there, that used to be a thing? I, and, and here we are. We're, we're trying to step out and, and that kind of thing. I look at myself in the mirror sometimes and go, you moron. What are you? You're, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You're insane. But, you know, we're taking a step of faith. And, and we, we, we believe, both of us believe that God was going to, there was going to be a transition that was going to be taking place right around this time, coming this, this fall. We felt it. We believed it in our spirit. We thought it was going to happen one way. It didn't. And so here we are. It doesn't happen the way that you expect it to, but my God, he's going he's gonna to still fulfill his promises to you. Don't, don't, don't put them in a little box. Because then you're, you're going to be looking for him in here. And all the while, he's, 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 complete, he's somewhere else. You don't want to miss that. It's put his kingdom first. We pair that with what he tells us later on in the same chapter to seek first the kingdom of God. The picture starts to become clear. Put his kingdom first. Everything else is going to, it's going to, it's going to find its place. You break it down phrase by phrase. And, and, and we might have, instead of just a prayer to memorize, we might have a nice pattern to follow. And then we get to this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's, that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's kind of a long introduction, but don't, don't be worried about that. All right? Our daily bread. That's what I want to talk to you about. Give us this day our daily bread. And yes, it, it, it's a prayer for provision. And in that prayer is a promise that you need to get a hold of, that God will provide. He will provide. You have a daily portion. God will provide for you. David said, I was young and now I'm old. And yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging what? Begging bread. God will provide. I don't always know how. I don't always know where in the world it's going to come from. He doesn't always provide when I want him to. In fact, it's rare that he does. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He's always on time, but he ain't ever early. We, all, you know, we always want to make it a point to be punctual. The pastor's going to pick us up this morning. He told us a time. I'm there before he said he's going, he's going to be there. That's not like I want to be like Jesus, but, man, Jesus ain't like that. He doesn't show up early. You, you realize the, I, I've never seen it. I've read the Gospels through quite a few times. I've never seen Jesus run. You know why? Because he's never late. He's always where he needs to be, exactly when he needs to be there, when he intends on. He's never running. He's not going to be there early, but he's always going to be on time. He will provide for you. Amen. But there it is, plain as day. Give us our, our daily bread. But make sure you pay real close attention to exactly what Jesus says right there. And what do I mean by that? All of us here in America, we like to be comfortable. We are blessed we're blessed even the poorest among us here in america are still among the richest in all the rest of the world we are blessed but we we like to be comfortable i like to have i like to have extra i want some some cushion when i was a kid my shoes were purchased with room to grow now that i'm married my pants are purchased with room to grow 
because I know. Give me a little space, I'm going to fill it out. I want some cushion. Give me some room to grow. We want, we want plenty of food in the pantry. And we, we won't even get to all of it. Anybody ever had food expire on them? You know why? You had more than you needed. More than you were even going to use. We're throwing food away because we couldn't even get to it. We are blessed. We want, we want extra. It was extra. I want a savings account. I want it overflowing. I want a savings account with money that I never have any intention of touching. I want it overflowing. And don't misunderstand me, okay? Because I'm not here to preach against wealth. The Bible does not preach against you having wealth. You're, you're supposed to be a good steward. I'm, I'm, not telling, I'm not telling you don't put back and save. By all means, you need to do it, especially in this economy. My God. You're supposed to be a good steward of everything that you're, you're giving. And so you need to be smart about your money. And I'll even go a step further and say, despite what many might believe, again, the Bible does not preach against wealth. It doesn't preach against being rich. Money is not the root of all evil. It says the love of money. It's the love of money. It's greed. You Guess what? You can have money and not love it. And you can have nothing and still be consumed by it. Your wallet can be empty, but you still love it. What I'm saying is, God did not promise us that we would get the bread today that we would need for the rest of our life. No, he promised us bread for today. For today. He promised us a daily portion, daily bread. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to take care of tomorrow. And you may not have right now what you need for tomorrow, but you will have what you need for today. So what about tomorrow? Well, God promised that he's going to give you what you need for that day. See, that day becomes today, and he's going to give you your daily bread that day. Well, what about the next day? You're not going to have what you may not have what you need for that day. You're not going to have what you need for the rest of the week, but he's going to provide for you every single day. It's daily bread, our daily bread. The bread was provision. It was sustenance. You may not have all you want, but God's going to make sure that you have all that you need. It doesn't matter what your station in life is. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. You might be living comfortably. And if you are, it's a blessing. But, and thank him for it. But maybe this particular word doesn't speak to you. But you might also be living paycheck to paycheck. Amen? You might be struggling to make ends meet. You, you, you might find yourself in a proverbial wilderness with no clue how you're going to make it through. You might have more month at the end of your money than you have money at the end of your month. But even in the wilderness, God made sure that his people were always, always taken care of. God will provide for you. But I, I, I didn't come here to talk about money. I didn't, I didn't come here to talk about you putting food on the table. I'm not here to talk about provision. This, the symbolism uh, of bread is going to change a little bit. And I, I'm telling you that so you can make sure that you're, you're with me. See, when, when Israel came out of Egypt, they started to view their captivity with something that I like to call goodbye goggles. Similar to some other other kind of goggles that you might have heard of but I call them goodbye goggles because that's that's when they're looking back on where they were with fondness now that they're leaving their time was terrible 
If, if, if they can just recall, they weren't paid labor. <laughs> they were slaves. They were, they were beat. Some of them killed. Some of them starved. They weren't hired labor. They weren't paid for the work. Your time might have been terrible where you were, but suddenly whenever we're having to confront change, suddenly we start to remember all the good things. It's a view through goodbye goggles because we we're scared of change. The people of Israel, they, now they've been given freedom and a promise. There's just one caveat. They've got to go through the wilderness. That don't sound like fun. I don't want to do that. And so they start remembering all the good things of, of Egypt. They, 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 the, the, the people start to murmur and complain. We had plenty of water in Egypt. You realize we're about to go to a desert? I don't know if you know this about deserts. There ain't a lot of water in the desert. And we're about to go through the desert. They had plenty of food back in Egypt. We sat by flesh pots and, and we ate bread until we were full. Now we're going to starve to death in, in, in the wilderness. And so, Exodus 16, the Lord spake unto Moses saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them saying at evening you shall eat flesh and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God and then the next morning they go out and there on the ground is this this little small round thing I like to picture little flapjacks or something it may not have looked like that I don't know I wasn't there I'm getting old older than I feel like you know older than I think I am but I ain't that old I wasn't there, but I, I like to picture, you know, they wake up, and there's, man, there's pancakes on the ground. I don't know if that's what it was, but when the children of Israel saw it, they, they, they'd never seen anything like that. And they said one to another, it is manna, verse 15, for they wist not what it was. They didn't have a clue what this is they're dealing with. And Moses said unto them, that's the bread. That's the bread, which the Lord hath given you to eat. And this is no small miracle. We're talking about the food supplies of a group of travelers that the Bible says numbered over 600,000 men. This is not including men and uh, women and children. So the, the logistics of feeding what must have been well over 1 million people is incredible. The ground has got to be covered in the stuff. You're walking on pancakes everywhere the eye can see. <laughs> and yet it was not an endless supply. There literally has to be tons of this stuff on the ground for the Israelites to gather enough to be fed, all of them. And yet look at what the Bible says next in Exodus 16, or verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. An omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so. And gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. And he that gathered little, they didn't lack anything either. They gathered every man according to his eating. If you had a large family, you gathered a large portion. If it was just you and your spouse, you didn't need to gather very much. If you bought your pants to give you some extra room, you probably had to gather a little bit more than the skinny mini that was standing next to you, right? I, I've, been, I've been praying that God would increase my appetite, not for food, but for spiritual things. Because every man was supposed to gather according to their eating. My God, I want to eat a lot. I, be, I want you to increase my capacity because I want more of you, Jesus. But there, there was no lack in anything. There, there was no lack in what God would supply you. But here's what I want you to understand. Manna came daily. It was not an endless supply. 
Manna came daily. Because just a few verses later, Scripture says that they gathered it every morning. Every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, the manna melted. It didn't stay out there in big old stacks. It came every day. God did not give them their portion for life. He gave them their portion for that day because manna came every day. I want you to see what Jesus says because I want you to understand that we're not just talking about bread right here. I'm talking about what the bread represents. Jesus said in John chapter 6, he answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. So to that, these people responded. They said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. The scripture is very clear. That manna was bread. It's bread from heaven. And God, God supplied it to them every day. It's, it's, it's bread directly from God. But Jesus had a, had, has a very different kind of bread in mind for us to gather. Because Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he gave it two verilies. He didn't just say it. He said it verily. <laughs> right? <laughs> it means it's really important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Man, that sounds like good stuff. I want some. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He is. He is that bread. But, 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 but please understand what I'm telling you. I'm not here to talk about you putting food on the table today. And I'm not even here to talk about God supplying your needs. Now, there's not a, a doubt in my mind that he's going to take care of you because that's a promise. But no, I'm, I'm talking about a different kind of bread. It's a, it's, it's a different kind of manna from heaven. I'm here to talk to you about the bread of life. This bread. This bread is eternal. With this bread of life, Jesus said you're never going to go hungry. There is no lack. In him is everything that you need and more. In him, you'll be satisfied. You will never hunger because there is no end. There is no end to the supply. But I also came to tell you that even manna from heaven had to be gathered daily it'd sure be nice if Jesus poured out on you and I all the anointing that we could ever need for the rest of our lives that's not the way that it works manna comes daily and it'd sure be nice if he gave you every answer that you would ever need every blessing you would ever require and he gave it to you in one day and you never had to worry about another thing but that's not the way it works you've got to gather the manna every day Look around this room, some of these, these seasoned folks that have been living for God for decades, maybe all their life. And we talk about great men and, and, and women of faith. Like, I, we, we, we got this Mount Rushmore, you know. It's got these famous presidents up there, and they're just incredible men that led our country. And I've got my own, like, spiritual Mount Rushmore, you know. I, I hadn't carved it out. I'm a terrible artist. I took art when I was in, in elementary, got to about the third grade. 
And uh, I was really good in third grade. But you see me draw now, it still looks like a really talented third grader. And that's about it. I'm not an artist, okay? And I, so I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't have this thing carved out. But in my head, there's this, there's this Mount Rushmore of just incredible spiritual giants like T.W. Barnes and, and Billy Cole and Nona Freeman and, and, and T.F. Tenney and, 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 and G.A. Mangan and, and so many others that we could go through and name. But what you've got to realize is those men and women didn't get there overnight. You look at these elders, these seasoned saints, and you think, man, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling in my walk with God. I don't know if I'm ever going to get where they are. You need to recognize one thing. That gray hair, they earn that. Those wrinkles, they earn that. That's, that's, that's a lot of years of faithfulness to God. All right? They earned all that. That bald spot, nobody asked for that. That's just cruel. <laughs> I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. He's in the restoration business. God, give it back to me. Press down, shaking together and running over. My God. God did not pour out everything that they needed in one day. They spent time in prayer every day. They spent time in prayer when they didn't feel anything. Anybody ever sit down to pray, feel like your prayers ain't going past that ceiling? How many times have we sat down and said, will it help if I, if I talk louder? Would you hear me then? I feel like I'm being ignored right now. They spent time daily in prayer. They spent time studying the word of God. Every day. They spent time living for God. Not just on Sunday. They lived for God every day. Not, not just when they were at church, but everywhere that they went because they are the church. Every day that they lived, they gathered. Their, their lives represent years of going out and gathering their daily bread. They didn't get there overnight. Young men and women, you got a call of God on your life. Listen up. You, you may not be where you want just yet, but as the old saying goes, Rome wasn't built in a day. You're not going to become Rome overnight. It's going to take you a while to carve out the anointing of God. It's going to take you. There is no substitute for finding a prayer closet and and gathering manna every day. There is no substitute for diving deeper into his word and studying and digging deeper and digging deeper. God poured out manna every day, yes, but it was still up to the individual to gather. If it's the bread of life you want, there is an endless supply, but it doesn't come in one day. It doesn't come in one prayer meeting. It doesn't happen with one encounter. Sometimes your miracle doesn't happen in an instant. Sometimes you get your miracle not by saying, all right, it, it, I, I had that prayer meeting. I felt like I got my breakthrough. And, and, and then you get disappointed because you go back to the same situation that you came from. You go back to the same scenario that you were praying for. And you wonder, God, why didn't you do it? But sometimes the power is in your perseverance. Sometimes the power is in your persistence. The power, the, the, the key to your breakthrough is in coming down again and again and you don't get tired of coming down to the altar and, and praying for it. You go and you say, God, you're not going to hear the end of me. You're going to have to contend with me. You're going to keep hearing me pray for this until I get everything that I need. I'm not giving up. I'm going to gather every time that you have it available. I'm stepping out, and I'm going to gather. I know that you're pouring out, but it's up to me to gather. I'm going to keep going down to the altar. I may not see the change right now. I may not see what I need right just yet, 
But God, I know that you're going to do it. And so I'm going to keep on going. Even when I don't feel it. Even when I don't see a change. I'm stepping out, God. And believing on you for my miracle. If you don't want to go hungry, you've got to gather every day. It's easy to look at precious elders and seasoned saints and wish that you had what they've got. Don't get discouraged because you aren't where they are. Because they didn't get there overnight and you're not going to get there tomorrow. There, there, are still, there, there are so many things that I want from God. I still, I get frustrated sometimes myself. But I remind God, I'm going to keep on praying for it. Until you either tell me no or you tell me yes. Right now, his answer might just be not yet. He, 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 sometimes he's a man of few words. He, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't really say a whole lot, you know. We, we lift up all these things, and he might just tell you. He might tell you yes. If he gives you a yes, man, it can happen in an instant. Sometimes his answer isn't no. Sometimes it's just not yet. But keep on believing. Keep on trusting in him. Keep on coming. You got to live for God every day, day by day. You're not going to get there living for God on Sunday but leaving him behind on Monday. You got to make sure that you get your daily bread. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll make up in your mind to get your manna from God, you can do greater things than even you can imagine for yourself because God has great plans for you. You are purposefully and strategically placed where you are. Let me tell you, the, 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 the people that are here right now, you're here for a reason. God has orchestrated this. You... you you could have been born not just, not just anywhere else, any when. That don't even make sense. That's not a word. But I think you understand what I'm talking about. You, were, you, were born, you weren't born, you know, 200 years ago. Sometimes I feel like I'm a man out of time. And I, by that, I don't mean that I don't have a lot of time yet left. By that, I mean I feel like I'd fit a whole lot better in a, in a, in a different century. You know what I mean? Except for air conditioning. My God. I couldn't, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I, I romanticize the, 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 the pioneers and those that moved out west and they pioneered California and Wyoming and all these other. Man, they didn't have air conditioning. Whew. I don't know if I could handle it. So, you know, that, that kind of gives me my, my little doubts. I don't know. Maybe I am in the right place at the right time. But God has strategically placed you not just, not just where but when. He's got a purpose for you. You're here today for a reason because he's got a purpose for you. Manna came, manna came daily, but, but, but Moses told them, don't leave it for tomorrow. But the Bible says, notwithstanding, verse 20, notwithstanding, they hearken not unto Moses. You need to listen to your pastor. He's not power hungry. He cares for your soul. You talk to a, 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 a thousand different pastors out there, they'll tell you one of the most frustrating things about pastoring is that I seem to want the people to get to heaven more than they want to get there. Your pastor isn't on some power trip. He cares about your soul. You need to listen to your pastor. Moses, Moses was the first pastor. He really, he set the bar so high. Let me tell you what the Bible says about Moses. Moses took up an offering for the temple to build the temple. They said they started bringing their gold. That they, they, where, first off, where'd they get the gold from? Egypt, that's right. God gave them so much favor that it, the Bible says they spoiled Egypt. 
They took everything. They t- Man, they're walking. God gives them favor. They're walking in, and, and they're seeing this fine china on the wall and said, oh, that's such a pretty pattern. You know, and they're, they're like, here, take it. You know, whatever. Take it for your journey. They're, 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 they're taking the silverware and the gold and everything else, that just anything that they want, man. They're giving them clothes. They're taking the clothes and the cloaks off their back. Have it, have it. Take it all. Well, then the problem is we got to carry this junk. We can't load it in the back of the Suburban. They're carrying this on their shoulders. And they start realizing, man, all of this blessing is a little bit kind of, it's a little too hard to handle. Man, I wish God would bless me like that. I feel like I, hand, I, feel like I could handle it. I've got big shoulders, Lord. You give it to me. I mean, I'll, I'll try anyway. You know, I'm going to do my best. Give it to me. But here's what the Bible says. Moses took up an offering for the temple. He had to turn them away because they gave too much. That's the first pastor. Never again in the history of the world has a pastor ever said, no, I'm sorry, folks, y'all gave too much. I can't take any more. That's how high Moses set the bar. That's a pastor, folks. But they, 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 they didn't listen to their pastor. The Bible says they hearkened not to him. Here's what they said. Some of them left it, they left of it until the morning. And it bred worms. And it stank. And Moses was wroth with them. He was angry with them. Here's the issue. Besides the blatant disobedience, let's put that to the side. Here's the issue. No one lacked anything. You, you, there's always going to be enough for you to gather. That's what, that's what he said. There, there is no lack. But they ate until they were full. The only reason that there was any, any of that bread worms and stank is because it was left over. In other words, it was extra. They took more than they needed. And they took more than they needed and they tried to store up extra. And there's only two reasons that I can think of to do so. Number one, there's a lack of trust. They do not trust God to provide tomorrow. And so they took extra today. The second is, they took extra on the day. So that they wouldn't have to go out and work. And, and gather tomorrow. My. And so when the next day came, their extra was rotting, stinking, full of worms. Now, why, why, why would it matter? I, that that, that kind of was my question for a little bit. Why, why does that even matter? Why, why do you care, God? I believe that God is communicating that the problem with us neglecting to gather our daily bread is the tendency for us to rely on yesterday's leftovers. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great service. We feel like we got our breakthrough, and oh, now we can relax. No, 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 no. You got to keep on going out and, and gather. See, listen, some of you got the Holy Ghost a long time ago, and I'm glad that you got it. You need it to be saved, and I can prove it with Scripture after Scripture. But how many of you out there have never again surrendered yourself to God because you got it those years ago? I got it once years ago. That was enough for me. No, it doesn't work quite like that. You cannot live off of yesterday's leftovers. If you do not go out to gather your daily portion every day, your daily portion of that bread of life, you will starve. That means you're going to die. How many are spiritually dead because they never again came down to the altar and surrendered their life to God? Listen. 
listen, listen. When, when Jesus said that he was the bread of life and he told us, you're never going to hunger again. It, that doesn't mean that, man, you take one bite of this stuff and you're going to be filled for the rest of your life. That's not what he was saying. He said, you'll never hunger again because there is an endless supply. Because you can eat and eat and eat you can take a bite and then take another and there's always going to be more it's because his supply is endless and he is forever enough in him is everything that you will ever need but you still you still have to pick up the bread for yourself and feed yourself but some of us are starving we're starving ourselves to death because we don't participate in the worship we just sit there we're starving because we only eat this bread once a week. We don't take it home. Some of our churches are missing out on revival because they're waiting to be fed instead of taking the initiative to gather. We're content this Sunday because we had great church last Sunday. But I'm wondering, is there anybody here who, 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 who's hungry for God to do something just a little bit more in their life? Are there any who are not satisfied with yesterday's outpouring and yesterday's revival, yesterday's blessing, yesterday's anointing? I don't want to miss out on what God wants to pour out because I'm not doing my part to gather what God wants to supply. See, no, 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 no. When I come to church, I'm going to come to church ready to worship. I'm going to come to church ready, ready to, ready to gather, ready to gather my portion. When the pastor or the preacher is delivering the word, I'm showing up hungry, hungry to hear it. I, I, I need a word from my family, and so I'm showing up ready for you to feed me. Feed me, pastor. Preach to me, preacher. When the altars are open, that means that it's time for me to gather and I'm taking my family with me. They may not like it, but I don't care because the only way that my children are gonna go to hell is over my dead body. You're not going without a fight. And so I'll take my children with me. They might not be interested in church, but baby, you're gonna get there whether you like it or not because one day my hope is that the lights are gonna come on. They, they may not appreciate it right now, but they will when they get older. I've gotta get myself to heaven but kids, you have lost your mind if you think that I'm not going to do everything in my power to take you with me to heaven. I got to get myself to heaven, but I'm taking everybody with me that I can. And so yes, I, I, got, I got to make sure that I'm full of his spirit and that his spirit is alive in me because I can't, I can't live off of yesterday's manna. I needed the day. I took one bite. That ain't enough. That's not enough for me. I'm not, I'm not going to be filled just because I took one bite. I'm not going to be satisfied. He said you'll never hunger again, but it isn't because you just take the one bite. That's good. No, no, no. You're never going to hunger because you're never going to have to be hungry because there's always enough, always enough. There is no lack. I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. Manna, manna came every day with, with one exception. One exception. And that exception is you could not gather manna on what they call the Sabbath. This, this holy day unto the Lord. Sabbath is one of those complicated things that a lot of people kind of find it hard to, to, to define exactly what it is. We know that the Lord said it's a, it's a day of rest. We know that he said you shall keep it holy. He also said it's a day for you to remember everything that I've done for you. Where, where, where I think the Pharisees messed up is they took it and they just said it's a day of rest. And so we're not going to do anything. And that's, that's where, all, you know, all the complaints that these guys had of Jesus, 
most of it because he's healing on the Sabbath. As, which is, that's dumb. As if they're, like, you can heal from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, but don't heal on Saturday. As if they could do it themselves. Like, look, listen, we, we, we could have healed them ourselves if we wanted to, Jesus, but we, we're not going to do it on the Sabbath. Come on. They couldn't do it. Why? And they're making, a, they're making this big deal about this thing. Their, their, their whole thing was it's, it's a day to do nothing. No, 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 no. The, the thing is, God says, I don't want you to be distracted. It's a day for you to remember everything that, you've, that I've done for you. That's, that's where they messed up. And so it's this, this holy day. Now, you could go out, all right? You could gather every, every single day. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You go out and you gather everything that you need. Gather every single day. But couldn't gather on the Sabbath. Doesn't want you to do any work. I want, you to, I want you to just sit. I want you to pray. I want you to think about everything that I've done for you. I don't want you to be distracted by going out and having to work. I'll, 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 it's a day. It's a holy day. Don't gather on the Sabbath. Now, you could go out, but you're not going to find anything. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, man, the ground's covered in pancakes. Flapjacks as high as the iron. They're stacked up, man. Gather everything you need. Continental breakfast. Woo. But that same ground that was covered in provision every other day, every morning for six days, it was barren on the Sabbath. There's nothing there. Ground is empty. But it does not mean that God did not supply. It does not mean that God did not provide. Because, see, for five days of the week, you gathered what you needed for that day. There's no lack. Because in him was everything you needed. There's no lack. You're, you're not going to starve on manna from heaven. But you didn't save it either or it's going to stink and rot overnight. You're supposed to gather what you need for the day, no more, no less. But then came the sixth day. This is the day before the Sabbath. Like then, this, this holy day, the Sabbath was a Saturday. I think Jesus kind of changed everything whenever he poured out his Holy Ghost. It was 9 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. That's when the Holy Ghost fell out. That's why we have church on Sunday, all right? Exodus 16:22 it says, And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, Two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, this is that which, see, they're concerned. We gathered, we've been through this before. You know how long it took us to get that smell out of the house? We, we gathered all this, all this extra, all this leftover before. So they go to Moses and they tell him, what are we going to do about this? He said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today. Seethe that you will seethe. And that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And so on the sixth day, you gather twice as much. Bake all of it. Bake it all on the sixth day. And for that one night, there was an exception. Any other day you tried to save the leftovers, it would rot. But not, not on this day. When they woke up Sabbath morning, the Bible says that it didn't stink, neither was there any worms therein. Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today, you go out, you're not going to find any in the field. And he reiterated to them again, six days you gather manna. And on that sixth day, you gather two omers worth, because on that seventh day, there's not going to be any. There shall be none. And if it seems repetitious, it's because it is. Moses said, I've talked to you before. It went in one ear and out the other. I'm trying to tell you so you can get it through your thick heads. You, you gather twice as much on this day. Moses knew his people. 
even though he warned them multiple times. Look at verse 27. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day to for, for to gather. You morons. <laughs> there went out the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. Moses tried to tell them, there's coming a day. Huh. Understand what I'm telling you. There's coming a day when that bread of life from heaven is not going to be poured out. And it's going to be too late for you to get what you need. And it's going to, it's going to become a temptation for you to become complacent. Because you're going to be lulled into a false sense of security. <laughs> because you come day after day after day. And there's an opportunity for you to gather manna. And, and, and you say, I'll, I'll, just, I'll get it tomorrow. I still got things that I want to do today. I'll get it tomorrow. Heed the warning of your pastor, children of Israel. Mm, I feel the anointing on me right now. You better make sure that you get what you need on that sixth day. Because the last day is soon coming. And that opportunity for you to gather the bread that you need for you and your family is going to be gone. But still, still, it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day to gather. They found none. My friends, listen to me. We're living in that sixth day. And I'm here to tell you that the last day is soon approaching. <laughs> And just like the children of Israel, some of you have been lulled into a false sense of security because you come to church week after week after week. And every time you show up, there's always an opportunity for you to get the bread that you need. But listen to this preacher. You are taking it for granted that there's going to be another day for you to gather. There's another day for you to get what you need. You take it for granted that there's going to be another altar call for you to get your life right. And so you've put off gathering for tomorrow what God meant for you to gather for yourself today. I'm talking to people who come. You show up, but you've never committed yourself. You've never fully committed. I'm telling you that if you wait too long, you're going to be too late. Oh, would you lift up your hands right now? Yeah, you little boy. Oh, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Oh. Oh, I want to make sure that I get what I need today, God. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. Give me just a minute. Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci was diversely talented. I told you I, I was, I was I'm, I'm, a really, I'm a really talented artist, you know, for, for a third grader. Leonardo da Vinci, he's slightly better than me. Just a, just a slight level above. I still feel like I'm better than Picasso. If you've ever seen any of his stuff, you're like, dude, have you seen a human being? That is not what they look like. <laughs> Centuries before modern science would, would prove right all of his concepts, Leonardo da Vinci, he conceived and he detailed things like the first airplane and, and, and a helicopter and the, and the tank. Concentrated solar power, calculator, and many other things. He, he, had, he advanced the studies of, of anatomy, civil engineering, optics, hydrodynamics. But he is perhaps best known for his paintings. 
perhaps most well-known for his paintings. For his works as an artist, many have called Da Vinci, though, the great procrastinator. Because it took him over 15 years to paint the Mona Lisa. That's the one that everybody knows. But, but here's, here's the kicker. Even worse, he was commissioned to paint a, a, a painting known as the Virgin of the Rocks. And he was given a seven-month deadline. And he did his best, man. He, he worked real hard. And he, he, he did fulfill it. He, he, he did complete it. 25 years later. You think I'm late. You think I'm tardy. My word. Seven months I need this. 25 years later, here it is. They probably, man, we forgot about that. Thank you so much. He's probably most well known for, for works like The Last Supper, The Mona Lisa. But for a man of his talents, it might surprise a lot of you to learn that there are only 17 paintings that can be definitely attributed to him. And even several of those were left unfinished. And here's the thing. On his deathbed, Da Vinci apologized, and I quote, to God and man for leaving so much undone. I still had so much work that I would have liked to have finished. There were still things that I wanted to do. I'm here to tell you today, don't put off tomorrow. Don't put off for tomorrow what God wants you to do today. See, it wasn't all of Israel that procrastinated. The Bible says it was just some of the people. But that portion, that portion got lazy. That portion, that portion became complacent. They took for granted that it would still be there, perhaps at an opportunity that was more convenient for them. At a more opportune time, they said, I'll get what I need tomorrow. And when they waited until it was convenient for them, the outpouring had ceased. My friends, we do not have the luxury of telling ourselves that I'll get my life together later. I'll live for God tomorrow because the day is soon approaching. That's going to mark the end of all tomorrows. And moreover, you and I, we may not even live to see that day. Why well, put off getting my life right tomorrow when I'm not even guaranteed tomorrow? Don't wait for next Sunday. I got to get my life straight right now. And whatever that means, whatever that means for me, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. But are you willing? Are you willing? Will you give your life totally and completely to him today? Are you willing? Would you stand? Musicians, I want you to come get ready. You've been doing a fantastic job. I kind of wanted y'all to just keep going on. I just, I, I, I love to worship. Before you come down to the front, there's just one last little thing that I want to say. My friends that, that got to talk to me a little, little bit know that I have a hard time knowing when to hush. So I just got one more thing I want to say. After that, it might just be one more thing. We'll see. The Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells a parable about the kingdom of heaven, and he uses a householder that's hiring laborers for his vineyard to tell his story five separate times. I don't think that's coincidence. Five days you gathered. Five, five days you gathered what you needed for the day. Six days when you, you gathered twice as much. Five different times the householder went out to hire laborers. But every time he went out, there were still others standing idle. Every time he goes out, there's still people that have not committed. But every time he went back out, 
See, this is, this is their last opportunity to get involved. And Jesus called it the 11th hour. I, I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that that's the hour we are in right now. It's regardless of what you want to call it, it's the final opportunity that we have and we cannot afford to be idle. For you and me, it's the 11th hour for the Israelites and our story that I've been using, it was the sixth day. Call it what you want. It's the last opportunity, that last chance. And they better hope that they're not being found idle. Every morning, they could gather bread from heaven. But the day was approaching when the bread of heaven was not going to be given. And so God did something different on that sixth day. And I cannot prove with scripture that he poured more out on that sixth day. Can't do it. I always thought that that was the case. But there is no indication in Scripture that he poured more out than he did in the days previous. Because every other day, every other Scripture, the Scripture says there was still manna on the ground. And we know that because it says that, that there, there was so much so that when the sun waxed hot, it would melt it. It would melt that, that manna. And so no one ever gathered even on those other days it, 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 it melted when the sun waxed hot it was I, I, there was always leftover millions of people but there's always some leftover I, I can't I don't know how much man was on the ground every other day except to say that it was always more than enough I can't prove scripturally that there was an outpouring of double I don't know if I believe that that was the case at all but when that sixth day came, here's what I do know. There was a call on them to gather a double portion. It doesn't say that he poured out a double portion and they, and they got double. It says that they had to gather double. And that's what I felt in the Holy Ghost. It's a double portion. But I, I want to be clear. I didn't come to prophesy an outpouring of a double portion because if we're not careful, here's what we'll do. We'll stand idle whenever we hear outpouring and we'll raise up our hands and we'll say, oh God, give it to me. God, I'm, I'm ready. I receive it, Lord. And we will wait on it to be given to us. Hear me, because if that is your take, I believe that you're gonna miss out on everything that God has for you. So if you don't take anything else from this message, listen to me now. Whether God poured double out or, or he didn't. Whether it was the same amount that was there every day or it was a double portion. You only got a double portion if you gathered a double portion. He could have poured out a quadruple portion. He could have poured out seven times as much as he poured out every other day. But if you didn't do the work to get it, you weren't going to get any portion. Doesn't matter what God was willing to pour out. If you didn't get it, for yourself, you are going to leave with nothing. You are going to walk away without anything. No, I'm, I'm not here to prophesy an outpouring. I don't even know if I'm here to prophesy. I don't think anybody's ever looked at me and accused me of being a prophet. I'm just a guy with faith. I'm just a guy that likes to pray. Call me what you want. Call me a dirty dog. You ain't going to offend me. Okay? Call me whatever you want. I don't think anybody's ever called me a prophet. I'm not here to prophesy a double, a double outpouring. I'm not here to prophesy an outpouring at all. I am, I am here to promise, to prophesy a calling. It is a calling to dive deeper into your relationship with God. It is a calling 
a calling to bring your family to the altar. It's a calling to prayer. It's a calling not to wait another day. It's a calling for you to get your life right with God right now in this moment. Don't wait another day. It's a calling to gather your double portion. Don't wait on it. To gather what you need. If you gather nothing, you're going to walk away without anything. It's a calling to gather double what you need. I'm here to preach to the church right now that if you want to see revival, we're not waiting on God to call out our number like it's some kind of revival bingo. And we're waiting on him to say, First Church Vacaville, First Church Woodland, it's your time for revival. No! He isn't going to arbitrarily pour it out on some and then not on others because revival isn't determined by desire because I can promise you this, God wants it more than we want it. God wants to do it more than we want to get it. God wants to pour it out more than we want to receive it. God wants to see this church in revival more than we want to see this church in revival. It's not up to him to pour it out. It's not up to his desire. Revival is not determined by his desire. He's not withholding it from the church. No, it's up, it's up to us to gather. We've got to go out. We've got to gather the souls. <laughs> it's up to us to invite them to church. It's up to us to be a witness. It's up to us to teach the Bible studies. It's up to us to gather out what God has already poured. You're not waiting on God to pour it out. You're, it's, he's waiting on you to gather. These altars are open, but I'm not asking you to just come down here to the front. I'm asking you to come, and I'm asking you to step into a, to a new anointing. I'm not here to prophesy a double outpouring, a double portion on you. I'm here to tell you that you can gather everything that you need. Everything that you need. Everything that you need gather a double portion I'm asking you right now surrender to the call that God has placed on your life I'm imploring you don't you leave with a question mark on your salvation because I'm also preaching to the ones who come but you've never been fully committed I'm pleading with you that if you have not surrendered yourself to God don't you wait another second don't you wait another moment don't you wait another day we're not guaranteed tomorrow don't wait until next Sunday but give your life to him right here, right now. If you can't remember the last time that you prayed through, I came to tell you that you can't live off of yesterday's manna. I'm glad that you got it those years ago, but you can't live off of what you got yesterday. It's time for you to gather a fresh portion. It's time for you to be renewed in the spirit. Worship team is getting ready to lead us in song, and I'm believing God is ready to pour out his spirit on us. We're not waiting. The question was never whether God would pour it out. The question is, are you going to pick it up? It never has been, God, are you going to pour it out? God, are you going to give it to me? No, he's willing. He's willing. He's ready to pour it out. The question is, are you going to pick up? Are you going to pick up what he pours out? Are you going to gather what he has to give to you? Are you available for God to use you? Are you willing to commit yourself to him? Can you make it known at this altar right now? God, I'm dedicating myself to you, Jesus. God, I know that you want to do it. Lord, I know that you're going to heal. If you're going to use anybody to do it, God, I want you to do it through me. God, if you're going to pour out your spirit, I want you to do it through me. God, if you're going to use anybody, I give myself to you. I make myself available to you, Jesus.
If you're going to use anybody, I want you to use me. If you're going to anoint anybody, God, anoint me. If you're going to use anyone to witness, Lord, let me be the witness. I'm not perfect. I, I, I may not have the tools that somebody else has, but I know, God, I'm called. Give your life to Him. Give your life to Him. Make yourself available to Him. I'm telling you, if you've never experienced the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in your life, if you've never experienced the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can have it right now. You just make it known. You can have it right now. Don't let there be a question mark on your salvation. But you get your life right right now. You get your life together right now. God, I'm giving myself to you. God, I don't, I don't want to wonder. I don't want to wonder if I'm gonna say, if I'm saved. I want to have an assurance, a blessed assurance. I want to know that my destination is heaven. So God, I give myself to you. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.